0: Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Second um, Peter chapter number 1 and uh, we'll look at this and 1 Peter and 2 Peter some awesome um, uh, books of the Bible which all of the Bible is great we know that uh, but I want to give you some things I preached out of this passage on numerous occasions uh, um, years and years ago on Remind Me Dear Lord and I preached it here at our church also uh, but years ago man when I was with Rock of Ages I preached it all over the country and that's been um, I guess close to 18 years ago now, and um, I enjoy preaching out of this passage of scripture, but I got to digging in it this week, and man, there's just so much here in this passage of scripture. We'll look at some of it tonight. I'll not get nowhere close to being done with what I want to look at tonight, and I don't know. I'm just going to study it as the Lord leads me to study it. We may end up walking through the whole book before I'm done of 2 Peter. I don't know, but Anyway, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Let me read you a few verses tonight. The Bible said this, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge... Of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things uh, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, uh, that they are that by these ye might be partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption. that he is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, he walks down through several things that we need to add to our faith. I'm not going to take time to read it all, but he says in verse number 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren, giving all diligence... To make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall neither fail or never fail. The Bible said in verse 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, uh, even as our Lord Jesus Christ uh, hath showed me. Now, look what he says in verse number 5. And besides this, giving all diligence... uh, Add to your faith. He says, add to your faith. What did it take for us to get saved? Of course, we know it took the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it took faith in us trusting in Him. And here He tells us to add to that faith. Here's what I want to begin preaching on tonight with the help of the Lord or teaching on probably even more than preaching, but Christian development. In other words, how to develop our life as a Christian. Or you could say it this way. A Christian growth, uh, growing as a Christian. Father, I pray that you help us tonight. I pray, Lord, that your will and way would be done in the service, and God will give you the praise uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated tonight. And uh, again, I want to look at this part of growing as a Christian or developing as a Christian and becoming uh, a better Christian, or we could say it this way uh, a more mature Christian. Uh, in the things of God. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Once we were saved uh, by the grace of God, that is not all that God had for our life. Matter of fact, he says right here in our text, add to your faith virtue, uh, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. He goes on to list these things uh, that we add to it. So God uh, has for you and has for me... uh, a plan for us developing our faith uh, and growing as young Christians uh, in the Lord. Not just young Christians, but growing as Christians uh, in general. I promise you, you don't know everything about that book that you hold in your lap tonight. Um, you Somebody should have said amen right there. You don't know everything that there is to know about this, uh, and you never will know everything that there is. We'll never begin... Uh, even to scratch the surface of all that is in this book." But God does want us to grow as Christians. When you come to the book of 2 Peter, you'll find that the key theme here is spiritual knowledge. The key verse is chapter 1, verse number 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through what? The knowledge of who? Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The key theme. Is spiritual knowledge. In 1 Peter, he emphasized the grace of God, but in 2 Peter, he emphasized his emphasis is on the knowledge of God. Uh, the word know or knowledge is used at least 12 times. In this short epistle, at least 12 times in just these three short chapters here, he uses know or knowledge. So what is he saying to us? He's saying this, that we need a knowledge of the Word of God. We need a knowledge of the Word of God. Peter opens this book with a description of the Christian life. And of a true Christian, chapter number 2, he deals with false teachers. Can I say this to you tonight? The best way uh, to know if something is not real uh, is to know if something is real uh, and to know it good. To know if something is real uh, and to know it good. I read this the other day. It said he was talking about those that um, uh, in our country today and in the federal government, uh, in law enforcement, that specializes uh, in counterfeit money. And they, they specialize in that. And I figured that they give them numerous counterfeit bills uh, and they could see what was different in it. And here's what I found out. They don't give them any counterfeit money. The only thing that they give them is the real thing. And they have to study everything about that and know everything about that so well that when they do see something that's not real, uh, they immediately notice it. Chapter number two, he's going to deal, uh, he's going to deal with those people uh, that is not real. But in chapter number one, uh, he takes time to deal uh, with that individual that is real. And here's what will be in their life. Here is the growth that you'll see in their life. So when you see somebody that is not a true Christian, uh, you'll be able to peg them. I began to think about this. um, The process of growing or developing into the Christian God would have us to be uh, uh, all starts with our faith. Look what he says in verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. That's where it all starts at. That's where it all starts it all starts the day that we forsake our sins, that we repent of our sins, uh, and we turn to the Lord by faith uh, and trust Him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, Satan is described uh, as a roaring lion. But when you come to 2 Peter, Satan uh, is like a serpent that is slithering into our churches. Uh, and matter of fact, Jude said it this way, for there are certain men crept been unawares uh, who, are, who were before uh, of old ordained to the condemnation, ungodly men uh, turning the grace of our Lord or our God into lavishousnessness and denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Sure so you know what he was saying. Here's what he said. There will be creepy crawlers in our church. Amen. There will be creepy, matter of fact, has anybody got Daddy's newest book, Creepy Crawlers in the Church? And if you look at the cover of that book, it looks like a bunch of sheep. And all of a sudden, you'll see, if you'll look real close in that book, uh, uh, there is a wolf with a sheep's head pulled up over it trying to disguise himself. You say, preacher, what's that got to do with this? This is what it's got to do with it. You need to know what we are. You need to be established in that and grow in that so when a creeper comes in, you can spot him. I thought about this. The Bible said right there that they was turning the, the grace of our God into lavishness in Jude. That word lavishness means this, tendency to excite lust or promote irregular indulgences. It also means this, looseness. And I want to say something to you today. I hope you don't get upset here, but there is a lot of preachers standing in pulpit. Let me back up and rephrase that. There's a lot of people standing in pulpits today that that's exactly what they are. They're creepy crawlers in the church because they are promoting lust. They're promoting irregular indulgence. They are promoting a loose living lifestyle. They say the grace of God will cover all of it. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He is a loving God and he is a forgiving God but Jude warns us that there's a crowd that will turn the grace of God into looseness. Boy, we're seeing that today. You say, so well preacher, what's that got to do with this? We need to know what we are. We need to know what we're established on. We need to grow in sound doctrine so we can recognize that. I thought about this in chapter number 2 of Second Peter. He begins dealing with this and exposes those people as you read chapter number 2. Here in chapter number 1 of First Peter... He establishes some of the fundamentals of Christianity. Or I could say it this way, some of the fundamentals of the faith, I believe that we can see right here in these first 14 verses of 1 Peter. Let me show you a couple of things by way of the introduction. Look in verse number 1. Let's look at the writer of this book. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle, of Jesus Christ, his person. This is Peter that was the most outspoken of the 12 disciples. There was a change, though, that took place in Peter's life after the ascension of Jesus Christ. Peter definitely became more stable uh, and a great leader of the earthly church and the local New Testament church. In Second Peter, he mentions both Simon and... Uh, And Peter, unlike in 1 Peter, he only refers to himself as Peter. The name Peter was given to him after he had come to Christ and Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. His old name Simon speaks of his old nature. The name Simon was used very little after his salvation. As a matter of fact, it is only used three times after Pentecost. After he preaches and the Holy Ghost falls and those 3,000 are saved, only three times is it mentioned. You want me to tell you the reason why? In my personal belief, here's the reason why. He began adding to his faith and God developed him as a Christian and that old nature took a backseat to the new nature. Amen. Where did it all start? It all started with faith. If I'm going to learn something, I want to say this to you, if I'm going to learn something, I want to learn from somebody that knows what they're talking about. If I want to know uh, if I want to know more about um, uh, being a paramedic, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to Brother Aaron because that's what he does for a living. That's what that's what he specializes. That's his specialty, isn't it, Brother Aaron? That's his special. I'm going to talk to him. If I want to know more about killing bugs, you know who I'm going to call? I'm going to call Brother Robert because that's his specialty. That's what does for a living. Hey, hear me, Peter knows what it's like to be on both sides of the fence. Peter knows what it's like to be an old fisherman, uh, an old cursing fisherman uh, that even didn't have nothing to do with God to begin with, but God saved him, uh, changed him from Simon to Peter, now allows him to write to us and establish some of the fundamentals of our faith. His person, but look at this, his positions. Look at his positions again. Simon, Peter, note what he says. A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. First, I see this about his positions. I see his servitude. Peter was a servant. This position shows Peter's relationship to the master. Listen to this. The word translated servant in the Greek is doulos, and which is the most lowly Of the five Greek terms of a servant. And you know what Peter is saying right here? He's saying this I'm a servant. I'm the lowest of low when it comes to servants, and that's what I am. But note what else he says. He says, I'm a servant, and then he says this. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter, he does not refer to himself this way. When he starts 1 Peter, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers. Second Peter, he says, hey, when we're establishing the fundamentals of our faith, we must establish that we are a servant. We are a servant. We don't do what we want to do. We don't act how we want to act. We don't go where we want to go. We do what our master tells us to do. Amen. We act as our master would have us to act. He says, I'm a servant. But then he says he's an apostle also. This position shows Peter's relationship to man. And an apostle uh, was an official office in the church which carried much authority. Peter unashamedly identifies himself with Christ. This showed his loyalty to Christ. What did he say? An apostle of the First Independent Baptist Church of Jerusalem? No. An apostle of the First Independent Baptist Church of Logap? No. You know what he says? I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people are loyal to a denomination, but Peter was loyal to deity. Can I just say that to you again because it probably went over your head. Some people are loyal to a denomination. Peter was loyal to deity. Can I say something to you tonight? I'm not worried about being loyal to a denomination. I am an independent Baptist, and if I wasn't that, I would be ashamed. But I am that. But more than that, I'm a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was loyal to God. He was loyal to Christ. The other night, matter of fact, Sunday night, um, Brother Tim and Miss Mitzi and Miss Leslie and I was talking before service. and We was talking about different things and he asked me one thing and I said, well, I can't find nothing scripturally to go along with that. I said, "There, I know there are some preachers uh, that believes that way, but I can't find anything uh, in the scripture to back that up. And here's what I told him. I said, if I can't find it in the scripture, uh, uh, then I'm not going to take a hard stand on it. They Some things that's a preference to me, but there's some things, praise God, that is a precept to me. It's backed up in this book. And what Peter is saying is this: He's saying, as a servant, I'm a servant to Jesus. I live the way I live because of him. I walk the, I'm preaching real good right there. I walk the way I walk because of him. I try my best to have a testimony that I have because I am a servant. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Why? Because we're servants tonight. Because we're, I'll I'll get to the message in a minute. Because we're servants tonight. He looks at his position and, and we see his person. He's saying it is because Christ. Look what he said. He said, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. Like precious faith. I see this. I, I see his Person, I see his position, but then I see the people that he is writing to. Who is Peter calling the attention to right here? What did he say? To them that have obtained like precious faith. Now, if you us to go back to chapter number one. Verse number one of First Peter: Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, C- uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and uh, Benithia, which is modern-day Turkey, and what I can find out, he is writing to those to wreck people right there. But what does he say in 2 Peter? I'm writing to everybody that through faith has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. This this right here is directed to everybody that is saved. That's what he's saying to us. He's not, you know what? I find it amazing that God in his foreknowledge used the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to help Peter pin this down thousands of years ago so somebody can't say, well, I'm not included in that part of after I get saved to add to my faith because I wasn't listed in one of those countries. No, he said everybody that's obtained faith. That's all of us today. That's all of us. Look what he said. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about that precious salvation that he's talking about. There's a precious faith. Think about the person of that salvation. Who was that person What did it say? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We didn't save ourselves. Boy, there's so much in verse number one. We didn't save ourselves. It's all in Him. Who did we put our faith in? I didn't put it in the Pope with no hope. I put it in the Lord of Jesus Christ. That's who saved me. Look in verse number two. I'm headed to verse 3 and 4 tonight if we get there. Look in verse number 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I thought about this. In verse number 2, what did he say? He said grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and of Jesus our Lord. I got that word circled through. How did we obtain grace and peace? What did he say? He said grace and peace be multiplied unto you. I don't know about anybody else in the house tonight, but I'm very thankful for grace and peace. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the grace of God that passeth all understanding. Brother Jeff, his dad went home to be with the Lord just a week or so ago and and his mother asked him to pray while they was there in the ICU. They wouldn't let but just a couple of them in. And his mother asked him to pray over his dad. And uh, in the last moments of his life, Brother Jeff said that he prayed and he said while he was praying, he said, preacher, he said, I can't explain it, but there was just a peace that came over me. And he said, I'm all right with it. He said, I'll miss my dad, uh, but I know where he's at. Can I say something that was that grace and peace that didn't come through you it didn't come through me but it came through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord that all come through the Lord tonight that's where it came now I want to center in on this thought how to develop or grow as a Christian now that we're saved now that we're a servant of the Lord now that we're living for him how do we grow Now listen to what your Bible said in chapter 3, verse 18 of 2 Peter. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So you know what he starts out? He starts out with growing and he closes with growing. It is a book of growing. I want to know more, the song says, about my Lord. I want to know more about Him. I want to be the best Christian I can be. I said this the other day. I have a problem with whenever I start to do something, man, I just go all out. Why can't we be like that in knowing more about the Lord? Well, number one tonight, I will probably not get past number one, but let's look at number one tonight. What to appreciate. You said, I thought we was talking about growing. I I am. What to appreciate. There are some things that is seen in verse number three and four that we should appreciate. There is uh, a lot of uh, uh, unappreciative people today. Yeah, right. I, um, uh, the other day, Brother Randy, I was at the store in, and uh, I, I was just always taught that if a lady was coming, you open the door and you let them go in first. And then you walked in behind them. And or you walked out behind them. And that's just what I've always taught you. Open the door for a lady. And i, I that's what I do. I never walk through a door first. I always open the door. And matter of fact, Miss Leslie, she gets upset at me when we go to the funeral home because I'll open the door and say, go ahead. And then she'll say, no, you lead. And I'll go, no, you're supposed to go first. You're the lady. And she says, no, you're the pastor. You're supposed to go first. And I say, no, you're the first lady. You're supposed to go first. But what do we appreciate? Open the door for a for a a woman. (laughs) She wasn't a lady. Open the door for a woman and and she just about half sassed off. And 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 I thought, bro Tim, I'm being kind. I opened the door. There's so many people that's unappreciative today. The first thing, if we're gonna grow, we need to learn appreciation for what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you just, I'm not even going to ask you because if you said yes, you'd be lying. We don't understand what God's really done for us. Our mind really don't comprehend just how good God has been to us. Every one of us sitting here tonight ought to be in hell but for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He just didn't show grace. He decided to give us peace to go with it. Let's look at this, what we appreciate, what to appreciate. If we're going to grow in the Lord, we're going to have to learn what to appreciate. Well, look in verse number 3. The Bible said this, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Uh, We are to learn to appreciate His divine power. His divine, some preachers preach this verse out of context and they talk about a divine power we have. That's not what he just said. His divine power. It was his divine power that brought us to salvation. It was his divine power that kept him nailed on the cross at Calvary. It was his, look what he said. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Let me tell you the reason. I'm talking about what to appreciate. If we're going to grow in God, we have to learn what to appreciate all, just right off the bat. Let me tell you the reason you got clothes on your back tonight. It's because of his divine power. What did he say? He said he hath given us all things that pertain unto life. Let me tell you the reason you got breath in your lungs tonight because of His divine power. Let me tell you the reason you was able to chew your food up tonight and swallow it and your body's able to digest it, it's because of His divine power. Let me tell you the reason you had the knowledge to understand the Word of God and ask God to come into your heart and save you, it was because of His divine power. Let me tell you the only reason that we hadn't been washed away... A flood or a tornado swept through here and killed every one of us. It's because of His divine power. It's nothing we've done. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We deserve the flames of hell with our back broke tonight. Oh, but aren't you thankful for His divine power? It's His power. It's not us. The songwriter said it this way: Lord, I can't even walk without You holding my hand. I'd be. I, hey, look. Look, I'd mess up before the sun comes up in the morning. I'd be strung out on dope somewhere. My life would be a mess, but He, through His divine power, hath given me everything that I need for this life that I live. I don't have to look to the world. His divine power giveth me what I need. I don't have to look to dope. His divine power giveth me what I need. I don't have to go somewhere and drink a cold beer. His divine power hath given me everything I need. When we turn to the things of this world, we're saying, God, you are not enough. Your grace is not enough. Your peace is not enough. What you are get well, I'm preaching real good. What you have given me is not enough. Enough, man, we are to learn to appreciate uh, his divine power. And because of that, he hath given us everything that pertains to life. You remember the story, I think it's 2 Samuel. I'm almost positive it's 2 Samuel chapter number 9. And there was a boy by the name of Mephibosheth. Anybody remember the story about old Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth was in Lodabar. <laughs> uh, but the king decided to show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. you know what you know what David done David sent the chariot down there and got Mehiboshef and brought him back to the king's house and everything that Mahiboshef needed you know what he had it not because not because of anything he had done he hey look when you study it out, when you study it out, I'm trying to get off this, but I just I can't stop without dealing right here. When you study it out, let you know me tell you the reason Mithybashef was in the condition that he was in, it's because he was crippled by a fall and it was somebody else that dropped him on that fall hear me and hear me well the reason you and i was crippled uh, is because of the fall of adam and eve in a garden uh, and it messed us all up but the king still in loving kindness uh, sent the chariot's down to matibishafe's house uh, and brought him back to the kingdom uh, and allowed him to sit at the king's table and you know what you'll find out uh, when old matibishafe uh, rode up underneath the king's table You didn't see where he was lame of his feet uh, because it was all covered uh, by the king's table. I sure am thankful. uh, There was a day that I was living in Lodabar. Uh, I didn't care anything about God. Uh, I didn't care anything about the Bible. Uh, I was living in a place called Lodabar. Uh, Oh, but I sure am glad that God uh, uh, sent the chariots of the Holy Ghost uh, uh, to where I was at uh, and rescued me out of the mess. I was in uh, and now allows me uh, uh, to sit around the table with him. It's his divine. It's his divine power that done that. It wasn't mine. It was his. It was his. Uh, When he got to the king's house, he got everything that he needed. He said he hath given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And godliness. He gives me what I need to live a godly life. He allows me to live. He gives me that. Again, to turn to the things of this world is to say that God's not enough. I was going to teach, but I feel like preaching right there. He said, Miss Bethany, she always rolls her eyes on Wednesday nights when I say, I'm going to talk to you a minute tonight. After service, she'll walk up to me and she'll say, every time you say that, you just bog in and preach a while. I can't help it when you get to thinking about the grace of God and him loving us, him coming to us. Praise God and letting us sit around. This coming a day that we will sit around the king's table. Everything that pertains to godliness, he'll allow us to slide our feet right up around the king's table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And boy, oh boy, what a day. What a day that'll be. Amen. So there's this divine power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about what we need to appreciate. This divine power of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has given us. But look at this. And I don't only see a divine power, but look what he says in verse number four. He says, whereby, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. There's not only a divine power of His, but I see this, there's the exceeding great and precious promises. The word promises, when you study it out in the Greek, only occurs, uh, this particular one only occurs here and in chapter 3, verse number 13. Whenever you study this out, it emphasizes the emphasis is on the actual things promised rather than an act of promising. Can I say that again? The emphasis is on the actual things promised rather than the act of promising. It's not that he is promising something. He has already promised something. The emphasis is on what He has already promised. You say, well, what's that? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Amen. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I'll take it, praise God. That's what He's dealing with. Here's what he's doing. Those things already promised. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, He leadeth me beside. He goes on to say this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they have comforted me. Amen. You know what he says? He says, it's expedient for me to go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Hey, but he goes on to say uh, that he's gone away and that he's while preparing a place for us uh, and that when he gets it all done, he's coming back to get us. It's the things already promised. Uh, God has already promised. Promise those things does. Oh yes, and they're gonna to come to pass. Peter would have us concentrate on all the amazing promises that God has made to us in Christ. When we think about the word exceeding, it draws our attention to the dimension, the measure, the degree, and the intensity of God's promises. Look what he said. Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises. They're exceeding. You say, why did he put exceeding? Because you, you probably just can't number them. There's so many. What he is promised. Watch this. I see a divine power. What we're to appreciate. I see exceeding great and precious promises. But then I see this. I see a divine nature. Look what he said again in verse number four. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but I've had a time studying it. That by these, you might be partakers of a divine nature. You might be partakers of a divine nature. I got to reading that today, and I just kept reading it, and reading it, and reading it, and all of a sudden, there was a word that jumped out to me. I had to buy nature underlined, the, but there was another word that jumped out to me. Does anybody know what it is? Partakers. It didn't take y'all as long as it took me. I guess the Lord speaks to y'all quicker. Partakers. So, you know what I done? I got to studying that word, partakers. And here's what I found out it's a partner. <laughs> An associate, a companion. You see, I'm not in this thing long. Whenever I got saved, He allowed me to be partakers with a divine nature. What is that divine nature? Well, it came at the day of Pentecost, it was called the Holy Ghost. And you know what happened the day that I got saved? I got a partner. I got an associate. I. <laughs> I got a. I'm about to preach myself happy tonight. I got a companion. I got a partner. I got an associate. You see, I don't walk through this life by myself. I don't battle the battles of everyday life by myself. I don't battle hardships by myself. I don't walk through the valleys by myself. I've got a divine nature that is moved deep down inside of me, called the Holy Ghost of God tonight, and we are. Part Partakers together with him. Amen. I, I've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost all living inside of me. It's partakers of what we appreciate. When we get to appreciating the right things, it'll make us want to know more about him. That's where I'm really heading to in all of this. But we got to get through the first four verses before we can get there. He said there's a divine nature. We're partakers of... I, I, I thought about this. I, I ain't got time to read all of this. We all wanting to go home and I'm wanting to preach. The Bible said in Romans 4 verse number 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses... Catch that. He was delivered. Delivered to who? He was delivered uh, to Pilate to be crucified for our offenses, not for his. He knew no sin. He became sin, but he knew no sin. He was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Oh, yeah, He was delivered for our offenses. He did die for our offenses. Oh, but aren't you glad one third and glorious morning uh, He was raised again uh, for our justification. You know what, that justification, chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. There's our word that we started with tonight. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace, there it is, with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that justification means? Simply, it means this right here. Just as if I had never done nothing wrong. Why? Because of the divine nature that God put in me the day I got saved. Oh, what do we appreciate? His divine power, his exceeding great and precious promises, the divine nature that he has given us. But look at what this says. He says that by these you might be partakers of a divine nature. Look what he says right here. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What are we to be appreciated for? His divine power. His exceeding great and precious promises. The divine nature that he has given us. But can I say this and I'll be done tonight? What are we to be appreciated for? Because of the escaping. The escaping. I'm pretty excited about the escaping right there. I'm pretty excited about... What did he say? He said, having escaped... The, the corruption that is in the world through lust. Then when lust hath conceived, the book of James, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth what? Death. Ah, you'll get on board in just a minute. What did he say? He said we escape the corruption of this world through lust. I escaped the flames of hell. Can I say it that way? Because of him. It's all because of him tonight. We have escaped the corruption of this world uh, that came through lust because of him. It's not anything that we've done. It all goes back to his divine power. It all goes back to him. We have escaped that. In January of 2016, most of you know this, but in January of 2016, uh, I pulled up at a house fire, and it was a working fire. A team had went in on the um, uh, second floor. They went up the steps into the second floor. And, uh, and was doing a fire attack. A lady pulled up and, and me and another guy was standing outside pretty much um, uh, doing, I guess you could say, a writ to go in in case anything happened to them. And a lady pulled up and began hollering at us that somebody was still inside the house. She said that it was possible that they could be or she would probably be back in this one bedroom. We went to that window. We popped that window, Brother Ramsey, and done a rapid entrance into it to search that one room and come right back out. When he entered that room, and got in that room and began to search that room and all of a sudden uh, it blacked out. The heat went out the roof and if you know anything about it, you know that's all the signs of a flashover. And um, uh, we realized what was fixing to happen. I actually turned around and looked at the guy with me and you could see the fire running up the hall coming towards us. He began to call Mayday on the radio. We began to make our way back to the wind that we had busted and before we could get back to it the house flashed the room that we was in flashed over very few people ever through a flash over, a true flashover. but it flashed over and uh, we hit the ground. Then we ended up getting back to the window. We rolled out the window and I'll never forget as I went out that window and hit the ground, everything, my air was hot and everything was a blur. And I, I rolled over and was looking at that window as Brian came out that window and he was his gear was on fire. Fire was blowing out the window as he came out and he hit the ground. Um, One of the guys got to him, another guy got to me. They pulled my helmet off and they pulled my shield off or my face mask off. And when they pulled it off, all of a sudden everything was clear. And the heat was so great that it had distorted the mask that I was wearing. And when I realized everything was clear, honestly, when I hit the ground, uh, I thought this is it. I'm, I'm breathing my last breaths. I've burnt my lungs up. We, this is over. It's over with. That's, that's all I could think about. I thought about Leslie. I thought about the girls. We was in the midst of revival at our church. We was going into the second week of it. People was getting saved like crazy, and I thought, this is it. Somebody else is going to lead the meeting. And they jerked that mask off, Brother Aaron, and, and, and everything was clear. And I thought, I took a deep breath, and it was cool air. And I thought, well, maybe I'm going to live. And, and, and they, they pulled Brian's off, and Brian looked at me, and he said, that fourth man that was walking in the fire in the Old Testament still around, ain't he? And I said, uh, yes, sir, Hoss, I believe he is. And, and I was really in a state of shock. I really was. I started to the ambulance, and I told him, I said, i got to stop at my truck. And they said, no, you need to go to the ambulance. I said, I'm stopping at my truck and calling my wife. It's low gap. If I don't call her right now, I'll be at the hospital in the burn center in the next five minutes, and that's what she'll hear. Y'all might as well say amen because y'all know that's the way gossip travels around here. So I called Leslie, and I said, before you hear anything, and I busted out crying. I said, I'm okay. I'll call you back after a while. Just know I'm fine. I'm okay, and I hung up the phone. I got in the back of that ambulance, and when my adrenaline finally went down, they checked my blood pressure, and it was like out the roof. And when my blood pressure went down, my adrenaline went down and everything, I thought, man, this is exactly what I thought. I sure am glad we escaped that. I sure am glad that we escaped that. Can I tell you something? Before I got saved, I was as good as being in hell. Come start playing softly so I'll hush. That usually don't make much difference, but it gives people hope. I was as good as in hell Are you hearing me? If I'd have died, I'd have went straight to the charred walls of hell. I was as good as in hell. Oh, but there was a day that the chariots come rolling up down there at Turner's Creek Baptist Church. And the Holy Ghost showed me I was lost and on my road to hell. And I needed Him. And I sure am glad that day I piled up in an altar and because of His divine power, that day I escaped the corruption of the flesh. And thank God of the flesh, thank God, I escaped there. I'm as good as standing in heaven, standing right here. I'm as good as in heaven. You say, why do you say that, preacher? Because if my heart quits beating and the breath goes out of my lungs, honey, to be absent from the body is to be, amen, is to be present. I'm as good as in heaven standing here. So here's what I come to tell you tonight. If you're going to grow in the things of God, the first thing you need to do is learn some things you need to appreciate. And I don't know about anybody else, I appreciate him. Amen. I appreciate, I like the way Peter started it. Peter, a servant and an apostle. I appreciate him allowing me to be a quote-unquote apostle and I hold a position and be a pastor. But even more than that, I appreciate him just letting me be a servant. Amen. Just to be a servant. Peter said, when I look at the first four verses, I just can't help but to wonder, as Peter's writing, if he's not thinking about those days that maybe he came in and we don't know everything about Peter's life, but I, I believe that there's enough that we can see that he lived a pretty rough life before he got saved. I wonder if he's not, Brother Aaron, walking back down memory lane as he's writing those verses. And when he gets to verse number 4 and concludes verse number 4 about escaping the corruption of this world through lust, when he writes that down, I just can't help but to wonder if he didn't lay his pen down and stand up and take about three laps around the tent that he was writing in and just shout because of what God had done in his life. I know I've said this tonight, but I'll say it again. Every one of us deserves hell. Every one of us, bar none. From the youngest to the oldest. From Adley to the oldest person in here tonight, we all deserve mail. There's nothing good within us, but aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God looked past that one day and allowed us to yoke up with him, be partakers, to yoke up? I got a partner tonight. I got an associate tonight. I've got a companion tonight. Amen. All because of him. Some things that we ought to appreciate. As we continue to study, we'll begin learning how to grow. Can I just say it this way? If you'll learn to appreciate, it'll make you want to grow. It'll, you know what studying them four verses did to me today? Son, it made me want to get into verse number five. I got to appreciating how, appreciating, that's good English, isn't it? How good he was and how much he had blessed me, Miss Shannon. And and just how gracious he was to me, and boy, brother Ramsey, it made me want to dig more. It made me, I got to reading them four verses, and I thought, man, what's verse number five gonna hold? And when I got in verse five, six, seven, and eight, well, he whooped up on me a little bit, but I needed it, yes, sir. and it reminded me that because he is so good, that I should add to my faith, virtue, and the virtue, knowledge, and the knowledge, temper. And the temperance, patience. Heard Stephen say that. And the patience, godliness. And the godliness, brotherly kindness. He goes on to say, if these things be in you and abound, not they're there every once in a while, they abound. That's when you begin growing. That's when you're not barren and unfruitful.